Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Uh, if, we, if we hadn't had a chance to meet, my name's uh, Pastor Plunk, and I would love to meet you. Just like Pastor Will was saying, like, we want to be, be a family. And uh, so we would love to get a chance to get to know you, and hopefully the relationship can continue beyond just what we do here on a Sunday morning. Uh, but we, I, I, come, I come to you rested, and our staff comes to you rested. Uh, we had this last week, we had a Sabbath week, and so we was off the grid. So if you sent us text messages and emails or phone calls, we probably didn't respond to you just for this past week. And, uh, and I just want to say thank you for the grace and the prayers even uh, that you prayed for us. I really do believe God speaks in a powerful way through rest. And Sabbath and rest is really a subversive practice of the Christian faith, meaning it subverts the way the enemy tries to get us to believe that our worth is based on what we do which is the antithesis of the gospel. So we're thankful for that. And I'm excited to see what God's going to continue to do as we learn and think about rest and Sabbath as a church. But another thing I am especially excited about, even more excited after having been through one service, is that we have Pastor Walter Belton here this Sunday to preach us a very powerful word. He is the lead pastor of Radiant Church uh, and has been there for the last uh, five or six months. And I I can tell you, most of you know, we have, um, as a church, our staff offices at Radiant with their staff. So he literally is uh, across the hall from me. And I'll tell you, one thing I learned about him in the first week that has proven itself to be true over the last six months is just the type of man and the type of leader and the type of pastor he is. Like, like, I, I'm going to be real with you. A lot of times pastors, they be up here and they just kind of put on a show. This man's a real deal. In the first week, the way that I saw him, like the first time I got, was getting to know him, the way that I saw him lead and care for his staff, the way that I saw him shepherd the people of Radiant Church, even when it cost himself something, and the way in which I saw him preach a message and have a vision for a unity that transcends just the church he's at and into the greater community was incredibly admirable. And I'll tell you what, I was like, any young pastor would be blessed to be around him, and I am blessed because I share uh, a hallway with this man. And so I am incredibly excited for you to get to experience something I get to experience most days of the week, which is his humor, but more than that, the, the word and the man he is. And so if you will, go show him some great city love. Pastor Belton, come on up here. Let me pray for you. Father God, we come before you now and we just thank you that you are the God of so many people and so many churches. It's so easy to be myopic, to just think about myself, to just think about my church, instead of realizing, God, that you, you connect in us all over the city and all over the world. We pray that we would be a people right here, right now, that are hungry to hear the voice of the living God through your powerful and authoritative and inerrant word. May we all be expectant to get fed this morning. 
And Lord Jesus, we just pray you would be with Pastor Belton, that, that you would give him power to preach boldly. You would give him energy to preach a second time this morning in a fresh way. And we do want to just take this as an opportunity to pray over Radiant Church. We thank you for the partnership. We thank you for the sisterhood we share. And Lord Jesus, we just pray many blessings over them. Will you um, strengthen them both financially? Will you strengthen them spiritually? Will you strengthen them in the city? And our Lord Jesus, may you continue to bind our churches together. And we pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. Um, 11.15 crowd, huh? By this time, I'll be done preaching and on my way to get something to eat. So right now, you stand between me and my lunch, so... This, this may be a very short sermon. <laughs> I am excited to be here. Uh, thank you, Pastor Plunk, for such beautiful words. I have, I've come to love and respect this young man, um, an amazing leader, uh, wonderful pastor. And uh, Grace City, we're grateful uh, for you. Uh, for those of you who may not know, Grace City came to uh, Radiant's aid when we needed it financially. Uh, Radiant uh, has went through some major transitions uh, this year that probably should have killed the church, but God is still faithful. Amen. And uh, we're on the mend, and so we're excited to, to be in partnership with Grace City. Uh, you're our church. Uh, your staff is our staff. My staff is your staff. Um, they're always in each other's office. I don't think they're doing any work there, to tell the truth. <laughs> but no, they, they all do an amazing job. They are dedicated to what they do. And I didn't do this at 9 o'clock, but I want to do it uh, at 11.15. I just want to pause and celebrate all of the musicians, your singers, those on audio, video, you gotta understand, they've already done this one time today. And they have to bring the same energy to you. And so you are the most special crowd of the day. Uh, and so I'm not gonna pretend like I'm as energetic as I was an hour ago. <laughs> but we gotta do what the Lord has for us to do. I'm excited to have my wife and my daughters with us in this service. This is my wife, Sharon. We have been married uh, now for 26 years. And um, I want you to know that this woman loves me. And if I didn't know it, I know it now. Because when I told her the Lord was telling me to move to Charleston and leave our home, we had just paid off and remodeled. Uh, <laughs> and she came and so... I am grateful for her. Um, she is an amazing woman of God, and so I'm just, I'm just blessed to have her in my life. And so thank you, honey, for being here. My youngest daughter, Antronithia, we call her Nene, uh, she came to Charleston just because her daddy's in Charleston, I think. And we're grateful to have Holly. Holly is part of our staff. And her husband came at the second service, Marcus and their son. And so we're grateful to have them here today. And so I'm not going to be before you very long. 
Uh, the scripture has been read and you're hearing, but I want to read maybe uh, verse 1 again, Galatians chapter 6, as the Apostle Paul is writing this text, <clears throat> and he's talking about bearing one another's burden. Um, I wonder how do you define being spiritual? What makes you spiritual? What, what makes you feel like you're really connected to God? Is it because you uh, sin less now? Maybe you've dropped some habits that were in your life. Maybe you don't curse as much as you used to. Maybe you don't drink as much as you used to, you know. You once were a case a week, now you're down to a six pack. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. <laughs> but we're going to see in this text, I think the Apostle Paul is saying, it's not so much about my management of my own sin that is a mark of spirituality, but how well do you manage the sins of others? Are you a very judgmental person, very legalistic in your walk with God? Are you somebody you're quick to restore someone, quick to forgive them? And I believe this is what Paul is going to wrestle with in this text. So chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Mark of spirituality. There was a man by the name of Booth, William Booth, him and his wife, Catherine Booth, July the 2nd, 1865, started what we now know as the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army is an evangelical movement, and one of the lines of their mission, it says, to care for others without discrimination to care for others without discrimination. Booth, one year, story is told that he called for a conference for all those who were a part of the Salvation Army. People drove for miles to come and hear what the founder had to say. And as they gathered, uh, Booth had found himself ill, and so he was unable to attend. And so they asked that he would send a letter because everybody wanted to hear from the founder. Reluctantly, he decided that he would send a letter. And that night, as the auditorium is slam-packed with people waiting to hear what the founder had written, the MC, as he got to the mic, he reached into his coat pocket, and the crowd went silent, waiting with anticipation to hear what Booth had to say. As he opened the letter, there was just a slight shock on the MC's face as he looked down at the letter, and Booth had written only one word on the page. And the word he had written was, others. Others. In this one word, he had encouraged his people to continue to pursue the mission that they had come together for. In this one word, he had reminded them why God has called us to be a part of the Salvation Army. And if I can rob that and steal that from Booth, is that not our mission? Yes. 
others? Have God not called us to be in relationship with other people, to love other people in the good, the bad, and the ugly? Because the truth of the matter of all of us at some point had a bad time. All of us at some point has messed up. All of us at some point needed somebody to forgive you. And if you're looking at me and you have not experienced that, you're either a liar or you're just crazy. Because all of us at some point needs mercy extended to us. And I don't know about you, but I am one who extends mercy and forgiveness quick. And you want to know why? Because I know me. I have come to be quite clear on who I am. I don't pretend with me about me. I have flaws and I thank God that I have a Savior on my side. Because I need grace and mercy. I don't know about you, maybe your neighbor doesn't. Look, look at your neighbor right now. That's the perfect neighbor. <laughs> Be careful what you do around that neighbor. Because when people forget that they are sinners saved by grace, they tend to walk in judgment of others. When you think you have accomplished something, when you think you have outgrown something of God has elevated you, you start looking at people with the eyes of condemnation and you're in a dangerous place. And so Jesus says this, John 13 and 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you. Listen to what he says, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Man, our relationship with one another is going to determine if we're really disciples of Christ. And you can't love me more unless you love me in my brokenness. Everybody loves you when you're on top. But can you love me when I can't do anything for you? Can you love me when I have nothing to offer to you? Can you love me when I know and you know in the world know all of my skeletons have come out of my closet? And can I tell somebody in this room something? You have a closet. Maybe your pastor don't know, but I have the video. And so be careful when you judge me because I will expose what you have in your closet and it may just go viral. Here's what I dreamed of. Here's our dream of a day, Pastor Will. You, you know on television how when, when people are speaking or thinking and there's a bubble that pops over your head? I wish just for one Sunday, God would allow all of our bubbles to be there and all of the stuff that we're struggling with, we have to walk around with it. Can y'all see a church that is humble after that? Can you see people who are forgiving, loving, and understanding, and patient with one another? But the problem is you think your stuff is hidden and that's why you can be judgmental others. But the reality is, everybody in this room, guess what you made out of? Dirt. 
And how can dirt talk about dirt? You think I'm something because I'm mud and you sand? <laughs> it just means we're in different locations. But at the end of the day, we're all still dirt. So James says in chapter 2, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy trumps over judgment. That if you're a person that you don't extend mercy, you shouldn't be one that expect mercy. So the question I have to leave in your lap right now, what kind of individual are you? Are you a person that's quick to forgive? Are you a person that runs to the aid of someone who's been caught in a sin? Are you a part of that church that gathers in the corners and whisper when she comes back to church? You're part of that group that uh, you no longer invite him out uh, to play basketball or shoot pool, whatever the guys do, because his stuff has been exposed. He's got caught up. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Listen to what he says. He says, make allowance for each other's fault. Is that not good? Make room for imperfect people because you're imperfect as well. Make room for each other's fault. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So what Paul is saying, and the measure really of my spirituality is how well I handle other sinful people. How well do you do that? Doesn't it amaze you that we are the people who have experienced the most forgiveness? But church folk are the ones who have long memories. Yeah, y'all got long memories. Y'all don't forget. <laughs> you pass it on to the next generation. Baby, we don't talk to them. Mama, why I can't play with him? I don't know. We don't like them for some reason. But we ought to forgive quickly. So Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, any trespass, you who are spiritual. I love Paul. He begins to talk to the entire church about if a man is overtaken, but then he says, I understand that all of you can't handle this assignment, so only those who are spiritual can do this. Only those who are mature and they walk with Christ have gotten to the place where they're honest about who they see in the mirror, that when somebody else break down, when somebody else fail, you're not in judgment of them. You want to know, how can I help restore you? That's when you get to the place when you're, you're growing up in Christianity. You're not playing this, this fake thing, feeling good because you're going to church, feeling good because you're teaching a Bible study, because you're preaching, because you hold some kind of position in the church when the reality is we're still sinners in need of a Savior. And none of us are better than any of us. And so you got to get to the place where I understand that maybe my assignment today, and that's why 
when COVID happened, I could have I could have lived without church. I'm gonna say this, and this might cost me my position as pastor at Radiant. I love pastoring, and pastoring is an amazing thing, but I wish I could do it without people. <laughs> Please edit that out upstairs. I don't need that to get on Piedmont Avenue. But I realize that without people, there is no church. And there was more that was missing on Sunday than just the preaching. It was the interaction between you and other members in the hallways, in the parking lot, as you begin to share with each other and encourage one another. That's just as much powerful as what takes place on the stage. The people come when they're broken. They need another brother or sister to tell them it's going to be all right. So Paul says, when you find someone who has intentionally sinned, that's what a trespass is. It's not they just tripped over, oh, I sinned. No, they intentionally broke the law. They intentionally went out there and did something that they knew was against God, and now they got caught up in it. Paul says, when you find one like that, your job is to restore them. That's hard sometimes. Because we think somehow uh, that we need to exercise church discipline. And then you come to the pastors and the elders. I think it's time you need to set them down. Well, you know what happened? You know what she did? Set her down. You know what I do when people come to me, that kind of stuff? Have you went to her? There are a lot of people around South Carolina don't like me but they respect me. Have you went to her? Because <laughs> is that not what the Bible teaches in Matthew about church discipline? What? You go to them if they don't want to hear you, then you go get somebody else. Y'all go to them if they want to hear y'all, then you go to the church. But the ultimate goal is always restoration. Not exposing them, not shaming them, it's getting them back to where God needs them to be. And so even when we speak truth, we do what? We speak truth in, oh, y'all going to wake up. This is, is this the 11 o'clock service or 9 o'clock service? So Paul says, he says, restore them. And so that process of restoration, and I believe Paul understands, he's trying to teach us that that word restore, when you look at it in the Greek, it, it's the picture of resetting a bone. You, you, you've dislocated your shoulder and someone has to come and aid you and it's painful. It is a painful process. But sometimes getting people out of the trap of sin is painful. Thank you, one clap. Who was that? They're going to get something if... <laughs> give, her, give her that gift card. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> y'all quit laughing in church. All of y'all going to hell. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you're not. Thank God for Jesus, right? Here, here, here he is. He says, restore that once. This is a process, man, of getting there and going through that painful process 
of getting people set free from sin. And let's be honest, somebody went through that process with us. Because sin is hard to get away from. And you know why sin is hard to get away from? Because it feels so good. Oh, oh no, I, I got See, we, we're dealing with the pious crowd right now. If sin hurt and sin was so ugly and so bad, more saints would have been free from it. But sin feels good to the flesh. Oh, man, they're waking up right. I need to stay right here on sin. All right. X that, uh, put, put uh, Romans 3. No. And so sometimes, sometimes we, we think we can slip in and slip out. Nobody know. I'm going to do it just one time. Slip in, slip out. Slip in, slip in. And one day you slip. And you can't get your traction anymore. Some years ago, I went to some spiritual counseling because of some sin in my life. An addiction that I was wrestling with. And I finally shared it with my wife. It's getting quiet here because Christians don't want to be transparent about sin. I had been addicted to pornography since I was 13 years old and I was on a, a retreat and I wanted to tell my wife, but every time I wanted to tell my wife, the devil was telling me, if you tell her, she's going to leave you. So then I started to bargain with myself. Well, I'll tell her after this session because I don't want to mess this session up. And after this session, we're going to go bowling and I don't want to mess the bowling up. So I'll tell her later. And finally, I just broke through and I said, you know how you just get to that point where, oh, I got to tell you something. But she stayed with me. And I got into counseling. And one of the things the counselor was telling me about what, what sin does to your heart. And Jeremiah said that the heart is very deceptive. Above all, wicked. He says, sin tell you and the enemy tell you that you can handle sin. You got control over it. So, you, you can pick it up. And that's what, that's what happened when we first start, right? So when we first start, we can control that sin. We pick it up. Ha, I'm going to believe I can't do that. And we go away and we go through that purging moment, right? When we tell God we're never going to do it again and God, I'm sorry, and you delete numbers and you throw stuff away and only however long we do this again. Pick it up. And, and we do what we do, and we get satisfied because satisfied flesh is always sorry. That's tweetable right there. <laughs> but he says, in the process of us picking it up, feeling like we're controlling it, he says, what your heart begins to do is close around it. And what happens one day can't put it down no more. And that's what addiction comes from. That's where strongholds, because now your heart has, has put itself and bind itself to it, and you can't release it. 
And now what we do, we spend days trying to hide it and cover it. I'm talking about believers now. I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about saints. Now we spend our energy not trying to be set free because we bought into the lie that we'll never be set free. So if I can't be set free, at least let me cover it up well. Oh, man, that's not even my message. Nine o'clock didn't get that. That must be for somebody sitting in this room. But here's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. When you expose it, the Holy Ghost comes in and sets you free, and you can stand in front of a room full of strangers you don't know as a preacher and tell them, one day I was addicted to pornography, but today I'm not. And if I can be set free, you can be set free from any addiction that you have. Why would we serve a God that can't free us? Huh. So Paul says, when we find somebody who has been overtaken in a trespass, you that are spiritual, restore such a one with the spirit of gentleness. That's what she did to me. Restore me with the spirit of gentleness, not with condemnation. How dare you? You're nasty. You're no good. No, you come realizing who you are and your flaws and says, what can we do to get you better? What can we do to help you? How, how can I walk with you in this? How can I come and help bear this burden in your life? I'm not going to cast you away. Yeah. Don't look down. Look at me. I see your eyes. Don't, don't, don't let him take you out right now. Listen, if you're struggling with something, it's okay. We all struggle. And the times out of us coming to church and pretend like we're fixed when we're really broken, when we're really struggling, when our marriage is about to end, when we even are uh, thinking about suicide. No, no, we serve a God that has set us free, and we got to be willing to expose it and give it to him and watch what he does. The only, please hear me, please hear me, the only demon God can't free you from is the one you won't kick out your bed. If you want to stay away with him, or it, or whatever it may be, God won't free you until you free yourself. And it's our job as other believers to gently, with compassion. I want, I want you to, to see the picture Paul is painting here. You found a believer who's been caught in sin. Paul says, not gently restored. That, that process Paul is talking about, and we talked about that resetting the bone, but it's resetting the bone of a baby. My daughter, Antronithia, hey, Nene, she wasn't here at 9 o'clock, so you, 9 o'clock didn't get this. So, so Nene, Nene has sickle cell, and uh, when we adopted Nene when she was four, um, Sickle cell was real bad, so it actually stopped her from growing. And she had all, she had fell off a porch before she got us and broke her shoulder or something. And that, that arm stopped growing. And so uh, her arm was three inches shorter than the other one. 
And uh, there is a, a special doctor. He only comes like once a year. And he saw her case and decided uh, that he wanted to do something about it. He put an external fixator on her arm, broke that arm, and put this external fixator on her arm. And every day, we had to turn the knob to re-break the arm, to reset. Uh, I am 6'1", 200 and pounds. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But every morning, my wife with precision would turn the dial. There were two of them. She had to turn it. And it was painful. Turn it. And every time you turn it, it stretched the bone. And in nine months, that arm had grew three inches. But what I'm saying to you, what Paul is saying, as we restore individuals, it is that same process that we just, we can't just yank them out of sin and think they're going to be all right. No, it's a process. Sometimes it's a tedious process. Sometimes it's a painful process, but you're going to do it because you love them. And even though it's going to hurt them, but it's going to grow them in the end. And after the process is over, they will be what God wants them to be. Thank God for people in your life who was willing to sit in the pain of your sin and not allow the enemy to have you. Then he says, bear one another's burden, verse 2. What time is it? I can get lost in time. I'm not hungry anymore, so y'all may be here for a little while. <laughs> he says, bear one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burden. Carry the load that somebody can't carry by themselves. Bear that load, man. Get up under that load with them. A burden is something that's too heavy for one to carry. But two can carry it. Jesus says his burdens are light. That if we yoke up with him, that he carries our burdens. That's the beauty of who he is. Whenever you yoke up yoke animals, usually the strongest animal bears the load. When we yoke up with Christ, he has no weakness. He just takes on our weakness and we get to enjoy his strength. Jesus says that's what we do with others who have a burden that they cannot bear. We say, hey, let me walk with you in this burden. Let me walk with you in this burden. Let me help lift this load you unable to carry. He said that's what we do for one another. And I'm quite sure in your life, somebody has helped you with a burden. Because the truth of the matter, none of us are where we are because of ourself alone. And I hear some independent out there saying, well, I did it all by myself. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Where you get the boots from? <laughs> where you get the straps from? The truth is that we all had someone, some mama, some grandmother, some deacon, some teacher, some friend, some auntie or uncle who walked this walk with us. 
And because somebody did it for us, in return, we should do it for someone else. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. You heard the law of Christ, the new commandment I give you, love one another. And then verse 3, Paul says, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <sighs> Don't think so highly of yourself as it relates to falling to sin. That's what Paul is talking about. He says, don't think that you're in a place right now that you can't fall. Don't get to a place where you think that you have arrived. Don't think so highly of yourself that you think, no, nah, I'll never do that. How could you do such a thing? Well, put you in the right situation, in the right room, with the right opportunity, with the wrong access, with unlimited funds, thinking nobody would know, we may just find out who you really are. And I told 9 o'clock, I said, it's a good thing some of you broke. <laughs> The, the Lord's keeping you holy. <laughs> you just, you don't have the resource to do what's really in your heart. <laughs> Keep them humble, Lord. He says, don't think so highly of yourself, but let each one of you examine his own works, and then you will have rejoicing in himself alone and not one another. So Paul says, Paul says, don't measure your spirituality by looking at someone else. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm okay because I'm not like them. I'm okay because I'm not doing what they are doing. Paul says, don't even look at what they are doing as you're looking at your maturity and your spirituality, he says, spend time looking in the mirror. Spend time not just looking at the good that you're doing, but also look at the stuff you need work on. Because I'm quite sure those of you out here who've been a part of the church for a while, there are some good in your life. You have grown in some areas, but let's be honest. There's some places that God needs to do some work in your life. Okay, in my life. I'm sorry, I forgot who I was talking to. I know y'all walk with Jesus on the Damascus Road, but for the three of us that are in here, though I am not sinless, I do sinless. Okay, you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. All I was trying to say is that I'm not perfect. There are some areas that I have developed in. There's some areas that I have strength in. There's some areas that I can stand up. You can wake me up 2 a.m. in the morning and I can preach a text. But there are some other areas that I'm weak in. There's some other areas that I need some accountability in. I need other brothers speaking in my life and I'm aware of that. So I don't spend my time looking at Pastor Plunk and saying, okay, yeah, I'm good. 
<laughs> no, no, I got to take time, and that's what Paul is saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm just who I am. I'm just who I am. I mean, you can meet me tomorrow at Walmart. You're going to meet the same guy. You know, put your pen down. I'm going to stop preaching for a moment. Just, you know, I can't stand preachers. You, you know the ones where, you know, you talk to them, and man, they just regular old Joes, and as soon as they get in the pulpit, they come with this different voice. Turn in your Bible to... Okay. <laughs> Put your pen up. He says, examine your own work. And verse 5, and, and I'm done. For each one should bear his own load. And if I can be transparent for, for a moment, especially in my younger days of a Christian, I struggled with what Paul was talking about because verse 2 and verse 5, they almost seem to contradict each other. Verse 2, Paul says we need to bear each other's burdens. And then verse 5, he's talking about, no, you need uh, to bear your own load. And so there's a difference between a burden and a load. A burden, I told you earlier, is a weight that one can't carry but two can carry. But a load is a weight that one can carry. And what Paul says, in this life, there are responsibilities that you have to do for yourself. But then there are times when you do need help. That's when people come and help bear your burden. But you got to carry your load for yourself. The church is here to help you when you find yourself in a burden, but you got to carry your load. You can't depend on the church to pay your bills monthly. I'm about to get in trouble, but that's okay. Your responsibility, that's your load. That means you got to get up. You got to go to work like all of us. It's amazing how people don't know the church exists until they need something. It's quiet in here. I must be in the right place. <laughs> and it is our responsibility as the church to help those who are less fortunate, but we don't carry their load. We only help them with their burdens. We, we help the burdens, as, as James says in verse 1, uh, verse 20, Chapter 1, verse 27, he says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. So, yeah, we help people with their burdens, but man, you can't carry the load for somebody. And people got to do their part. That's always our part and God's part. There's a church part and there's your part. Don't get that twisted. Can I tell you this, parents? There's your part, and there's your children's part. Don't mess your children up by taking the load off of them. I want my son to have more than I ever had. What kind of voice is that? <laughs> 
I don't want my kids to suffer the way I had to suffer. I ain't have nothing. Yeah, but it made you a good person. It made you a better person. I share this. <laughs> when my wife and I first got married, uh, and any time I first got married, probably still the same way now, when we would go and get snacks, you know, my wife is the one, you know, if she gets cookies, you know, she have the cookies in the house so they get stale. You know, she'd go in, she'd get two. <laughs> you know, if I get cookies and I like them, by the end of the day, they're gone. And my wife said, baby, why do you eat all your stuff up? I said, because I am the baby of 11 children. That growing up, I had no choice but to have two cookies. And I said to myself, if the Lord ever bless me, that I can buy my own pack of cookies, I'm going to eat my cookies when I want. <laughs> and how I want. What I'm saying to you, that there's a burden that none of us could bear. So why do we, why do we love people well when they're going through? It's because God did it for us. That the burden of sin was so great in our life that the only price for it was death. And because we were so messed up and we were so tainted, even our death couldn't really pay for it. So God loved us enough that he sent his son. And he came to us from 42 generations. Born by a little peasant girl. Born into poverty. Allowed people to spit on him, beat him, nail him to a cross that he can take our burdens. And everything that was against us, the Bible says that he took it on his cross. But now when I think about caring and helping the burdens of others, I'm reminded of Calvary. That am I greater than Jesus? That even while he hung there on the cross and those who put him there, he looked down upon them knowing that he was carrying their burdens and says, forgive them for they know not what they do. How can we as Christians, followers of Christ, not be extenders of mercy? How can we not make room for other people's faults? How can we not be restorers and people who reconcile and those who understand we have the ministry of reconciliation? How can we not be first responders when somebody's in sin and we run to them and not away from them? To remind them that the God we serve has all power. And he's already paid the price to set you free from what you think you're stuck in. And he says, come unto me. Here's this word again. All you weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My burdens are easy. My burdens are easy. Father, we thank you that you are a burden-bearing God. And even in our imperfection, you love us. For you said in your word that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, God, we just thank you. We thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for restoration. But, God, we thank you for family members and the household of God. And, God, we know that sometimes it gets difficult. But, God, help us when we feel like giving up. When we feel like throwing in the towel, may we be reminded that somebody stuck in there with us. For let us not grow weary in well-doing. For you said, God, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.